Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another segment. With me today is a special guest by the name of Victoria Pellete, and she is going to be talking about advancements in our careers. But before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the segment, I want to tell you a little bit more about who Victoria is. So Victoria Pelletier is Managing Director, Travel Industry Network at Accenture. She is a senior executive with over two decades of progressive experience in strategy, operations, growth initiatives, and business and talent development. She is a visionary leader with a passion for innovation, creativity, and diversity, equity, and inclusion, also known as DE&I. But let's not forget to throw in a B there for belonging. In fact, Victoria has won both the 2020 Mentor of the Year Award from Women in Communications and Technology and the 2019 HSBC Diversity and Inclusion in Innovation Award. Victoria, who was also recently named as 2021 550 Most Influential Business Leaders in Technology. Wow, y'all, that speaks volume. Victoria serves as a board member for several organizations. She is also a published author, regular contributor to Forbes, and a member of the Forbes Business Council. She is an in-demand public speaker and appears regular on national radio and television. An inspiring professional with impeccable credentials, Victoria is a trusted voice among peers and emerging executives. So without further ado, let's bring on Victoria Pelletier. Hello there. I'm happy to be here today. Thank you so much for sharing and holding space with me, Victoria. Hopefully I didn't butcher your last name. So if I did, please correct me in front of the audience. No, you did excellent. Awesome. So one thing that I like to do for the audience so they could get to know you a little bit more is either an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Uh, Icebreaker. Okay, we're breaking the ice with Victoria and Genesis. I want you to share something crazy or adventurous that you have done in your life that has built your character or something fun and interesting that not even your community knows about you. Hmm. I, I'm going to go for the second one, but I find that's difficult because I do a lot of speaking and I share incredibly authentically, openly, vulnerably. So it's difficult to find something that many people don't know about me. Uh, But I'm I'm a fitness fanatic. I have been for a very long time. That's not new news, but I played volleyball, basketball growing up uh, and, and I switched to hockey. So I'm originally Canadian. You'll hear a tiny bit of the accent pop out. So not shocking that I played hockey, but I picked it up in my early twenties and gave up the other sports for a period of time because I loved, loved it. And I played with co-ed mostly men initially and switched to playing with women, never more injuries than when I moved to playing with women. Wow. That is interesting. And I'm glad you told me that you're Canadian. So just as a fun fact here, do you like Tim Hortons or is it trash? 
well, I don't, I don't love Tim. I don't love coffee, period. But what I will tell you, Timmy's is what you call, we call it in Canada. Timmy's, for me as a tea drinker, actually makes significantly better tea than Starbucks or the others if I have to go commercial for it. Ooh, okay. I'm going to definitely check that out next time I'm in Toronto visiting my family. So y'all, that concludes the connection part of the segment. And I hope you learned a little bit more about Victoria. Now we're going to dive into the meat and potatoes, which is the work that she's doing. Career advancement. And we all know that these are unprecedented times for some, and they're also blooming times for others because some people are calling it the great resignation where we're seeing a lot of people getting out of the e-bucket, which is the employee bucket, and maybe they're going into entrepreneurship, solopreneur, or whatever the case may be for various reasons. And then we also see that this is a time for bloom because a lot of people have now started to follow their passions because they realize when the pandemic hit, things were closed down, but it also allow them to go within themselves and find out what it is that they like and what's driving them, where they're no longer confined to be in a brick and mortar or whatever the case may be. But I want to hear from someone who's doing the work, which is Victoria. So Victoria, when you think about career advancement and careers as a whole, what comes to mind and what makes you so passionate about this area? So I, um, I have this advice that I give not only to my younger one in particular who asked younger children who asked me you know what she should do for a career at some point but I give it pretty liberally when I'm coaching people around following their passions the things that brings them joy although interestingly at the gym this morning I was listening to to, um, Adam Grant the industrial psychologist a podcast and he had Mark Cuban on and Mark's advice was don't follow passion follow effort I think because he said you don't give up on your passion but but effort is what delivers the the money. So it's this, I don't know if you've heard of the Japanese philosophy, Ikigai, right around the things you're good at, that you enjoy doing, where you can make money. And so I find that it's a a blend of those things. Obviously doing things that bring you great joy. I've got the 80-20 rule. I need to get up each day, 80% of the time and love what I'm doing. There's always going to be an element of either administrative tasks that just have to get done or things I don't enjoy. But that's how I've approached my career and try and guide others. There's this notion of the need to move hierarchically, and that's not a fit for everyone. Sometimes they can be amazing individual contributors in shifting around to different areas or doing things maybe more strategically or different or in a different function. So I would encourage people to be really open to not only the stuff that they enjoy, where there's opportunity and you know m- money will will follow or at least to the extent they want it to to afford the lifestyle they choose yeah i like that and i like the fact that you talked about what mark cuban says but also like passion and helping them own in on what it is that they want to do and the 80 20 rule 80 percent you should love it or love it and then the other part you could always tweak it And if you don't want to, if you don't want to do whatever you're doing, then, you know, maybe it's time for you to take a step back and reevaluate where you are in your life and where it is that you're trying to go. And I think that's where the visionary part comes into play, because if you don't have a vision and you can't see out in front of you, then you're going to perish because you have no direction. And maybe whenever you don't have the direction, you need to get connected with somebody who can lead you in a pathway where you could start to see things with clarity. Would you agree or disagree? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd agree. I think, you know, finding a tribe around you who can be radically candid with you over your own, um, whether it's performance uh, or the opportunities in the world or even the blind spots. I think that's really important to find, you know, find those people around you who can challenge you greatly, but from a place of care as well. Absolutely. Because they say, tell me what's, I think the saying goes, tell me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Or look at the five people that's closest to you and I'll show you what you become. Something along those lines, because sometimes those that's in our community can either be the ones to help us accelerate or or de-accelerate. And I think now, like in society, everyone is vying for attention because we see so many things being pulled on social media and people are like, oh, I want to do that. When in actuality, you're only seeing a piece of the puzzle or a piece of the image. You're not seeing the whole uh, the whole thing. And one thing that uh, resonated with me right now in this career transition and transformation time is a lot of moms are not going back to the workforce because you know, when they were home with their kids, they realized that, oh, I like being home with my kids. I could be at home with my children. I don't have to take off to go to the doctor. I go get my work done from home or whatnot. And then whenever things open back up, they were forced to go to those brick and mortar places and be conditioned to that, to that scheme of things or that status quo. When in actuality, you can be just as productive at home as well as in the office. And I feel like some corporations, and I'm going to speak from oil and gas and energy because that's where I came from. Some of those corporations, it's a male dominated field. And if a woman has to take off time, they're like, oh, don't you have any help? Or can't you do this? Or there's so many things that they say when in actuality, you are the person that takes takes your child to the pediatrician or has to go to the PTA meetings, or has to uh, juggle various things. It's not the husband that's doing it, unless he's the stay-at-home dad, which is far and few. So it's like, okay, what industry are you in? What are the status quo? And how can I advance in my career just as much as the male? Would you agree to any of those um, sentiments, Victoria? Or do you have a different viewpoint? Uh, I agree with a lot of that, and a slight tweak on that. And so I think, I do believe that COVID, the pandemic, it, you know, shifted the mindset quite a bit for parents, period, and what, how they wanted to gain a greater balance or how they could figure out how to integrate just in life, work and life and all those things and still be able to meet deliverables. I have a saying with my team, there are no schedules, there are just deliverables. You never had to ask me for permission to take a child to the doctor or go to a, you know, a, a, a soccer game or an aged parent to, you know, do something. You never needed to do that. So I think it's caused it, um, p- parents and people to just to, to think much more so. What I will say that's a shift on that is, you know, there there is an expectation that more of that sits with the mother. I'm going to tell you, I bucked that, um, you know, for me, both with a second marriage for me now, but I both partners incredibly supportive. And by the way, I have a stay at home husband now, even though my, my children, he is one of those, as you say, few and far between, but that's because I came at it from a place of we are partners here in our marriage, in our parenting, in our life, and we contribute differently. So I'm used to being the primary earner. And so therefore, whether it was with my ex who did work, but we had a nanny at home, but I 
my ex and the nanny picked up more of the household responsibilities because I'm an executive and I traveled around the world extensively. Now, even with my husband currently, you know, he gave up a 25 year career to move because we lived in different cities. We'd, we'd met on vacation, uh, you know, to, to move. And, you know, at the time drive my, my, my ex passed away. So, um, you know, he stepped in and, you know, to drive my kids to school and, you know, he takes care of me and we have, very, he does our laundry, right? Like we have a very different. And so I, I think it's okay for a woman, you know, to demand some of those things, but also be comfortable with the boundaries that, um, you know, one creates. And so, feeling no guilt for your choice, either to be a, you know, stay at home mother or make a different choice from a career perspective, part-time or whatever to balance it, or to demand equality with your partner to, you know, be able to live more holistically and not give up on career for the sake of a family. I like that. And I like that what you're doing in your household and your life is different because I think there's going to be a woman that can resonate with that because there are some women that are the bread, the breadwinners. And, you know, sometimes that could create a power struggle in a relationship whenever the man feels like, oh, my, my wife or my partner makes more than me. Like, am I less than or whatever? Because society wants the man to think, oh, you're the head of the household and all of this other stuff, when in actuality, it is a partnership and you're both coming in, coming in together to make it a whole. You're bringing, you're bringing apart, he's bringing apart and it just works that way. But there's no shade in one person doing X amount of things and the other person doing another. So I want to spend some time talking about adversity and as well as diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging as a whole, because I think that's a big component in advancing in your career and making sure that you're cognizant of the industry you're in, making sure you're cognizant of the boundaries that you set up for yourself, as well as the expectations of the boundaries that other people set up for you, because they may clash. And then you have to ask yourself, is this really a good fit for me? So can we spend some time just talking about you? Number one, you became an executive at 24 years old. You've traveled the world. You've hit some incredible milestones. And now here you are doing, and you're being an author, you're traveling, you're managing a family and so many other things that make you multifaceted and multidimensional. How do you balance between adversity as well as making sure DEI is checked off? from your level and being a woman in power? So as it relates to adversity, uh, my my book, but it's because it's my life mantra is around being unstoppable. Uh, and I sign a lot of my you know social media posts off hashtag unstoppable and the other one's no excuses, which I can tell you drives my children insane uh, because I believe we have choice in how we move forward against adversity. So that's kind of my philosophy around that. And then from a, a DE and I and B perspective, I have been heavily, heavily involved in it uh, since my early 20s. So you, you mentioned I became COO at 24, a new mother. My son was only a few months old at that point. And I stepped into a room with a little bit of imposter syndrome, quite frankly, but I was the only across a multitude of fronts, including being the only woman at the table and being the youngest by two decades. And so I started to be really cognizant of what it, what it liked to to be the only. I still recognize I have great privilege. I'm born as a white woman in North America and that comes with privilege, but there were other things. So I, I was aware of all of those facets. And also at the time I was leading an outsourcing organization, which is, you know, companies outsource parts of their business, RMS for less 
And the, the people that do a lot of that work, it's not always a destination, right? They're immigrants to the country or maybe they're in between jobs. And so I realized how great it was, not just the right thing to do, but great for business to create a place where people felt highly engaged and therefore were more productive and, you know, and more effective in their roles. And so I came at it from that perspective. And then subsequently a lot in the last 10 or 15 years where the formalization of business or employee resource groups has come, I've been the leader for women's resource groups, for LGBT, or for the entire program holistically, to the point where at one point I was leading businesses where that became essentially part of my day job as well, leading HR strategy and consulting and outsourcing businesses. So where I would talk about leadership and culture and diversity and inclusion, I now actually was in a role in which I was, was, was leaning that way. And so it's something I'm extremely passionate about uh, for all of the reasons I stated around it being the right thing to do, but also being great for, you know, business or community and the world at large. And I think whenever, to your sentiment, whenever people are seen and heard they and they're more engaged, they're going to provide higher quality work because they see the value that they're adding to the organization, but they also see the fact that the organization values them as a person and a contributor contributor, not just a number to that organization, because whenever someone feels as a number, they're just going to think to themselves, oh, I'm just a placeholder. And who knows if I'm going to make it if they need to cut headcounts, who knows if I'm going to make it if there's a layoff or a furlough or etc. So then they have half their foot in the door and half their half their other foot outside of the door. So it's like the teeter totter. But I also like the fact that you mentioned diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging was something that you did and you fell into it and you assumed that role because it was something that you're passionate about. And your passion, just it doesn't just stop with you, but it carries outwards to other people because then they could see you show up authentic. They could see you being vulnerable and et cetera. So whenever we think about career advancements, how would how would you guide and mentor someone who's just starting off in their career? Maybe they're at that entry level position and they feel like they're being talked down to when in actuality you can talk up, up the chain, but then also have the person at the top meet you, meet you there and create a sweet spot because sometimes people feel like they're in a box and they're so afraid to step outside of that box because they don't want certain things to be labeled upon them, if that makes sense. Uh, so, so it does make sense. And I think I'll often say, I mean, we are all leaders in an organization, regardless of title or hierarchy. And the reality is, is we all have power and our voice is our power. So when I'm speaking to, oftentimes I will come in as an executive talking to our, you know, college um, entrance in whether it's on a summer program or our new analysts, for example, who are that's right out of, you know, college and talking to them about, you know, what I would have told my 20 year old self. And the things I wish I knew. And so one of those is around bringing voice to power and the ability for leadership to be listening to those that are on the ground and have great ideas and are close to our customer base or our employees that we're engaging with and looking to do things differently. So that would certainly be one. Uh, As it relates to executives, you talked about meeting in the middle. I think there's, you know, requirement for significant training because a lot of the people we know are white white men in a lot of these roles so how do we give them education around 
unconscious bias? How do we give them tools to look at metrics to move the needle forward and be much more strategic and intentional about driving, you know, DE&I, you know, forward? And then there's other things I would say just around, you know, advancement of career. And that is around making sure that you're maintaining your, your, your skills and relevance, the, the shelf life of skills are decreasing dramatically, less than two years on average now uh, for functional type of skills. So making sure you stay relevant and continue to perform and have a solid work ethic. And the great resignation or, or in quiet quitting talks around boundaries. You can still do all of those things and maintain boundaries. And then also focusing on, on your individual brand. We are more than our role or title and the tasks we're responsible for. We come with values. We come with different experiences that we can bring to the table. If you are a leader, who you are and how you show up and support your team, that's all part of who we are in terms of building a brand and then building a strong network around that would be another piece of advice. Wow. So many gems just shared right there, Victoria. And one thing that I want to pull on and just go a little bit deeper is you mentioned metrics. So KPIs are huge, y'all, no matter what industry you, you're in. And if you're not sure what KPIs are, they're key performance indicators. And a big component of KPIs is performance assessments, depending on what industry you're in. Some industries have forced ranking where you're ranked in um, the top quartile, the middle quartile, or the bottom quartile. Or if you're in a office clerical administrator position, you may be ranked a, B, C, D, and you definitely don't want to be a D because you're seeing your way out the door. And then there's other, other companies and industries where there is a performance assessment that is fair across the board. It's not, it's not um, forced ranking and you're not necessarily competing against your peers. So you're not trying to do anything that can, you know, compromise you or compromise your peers that you work with on the same project. So one, my question to you, Victoria, is whenever you think about performance performance assessment and personal development and professional development, how can we factor in those KPIs in a way where someone wants to work on their KPIs and thrive while being vulnerable, but then the organization sees that individual for who they are, what they bring forth, and what their succession plan looks like? There's a lot there. Um, <laughs> And so I think there's, a, you know, a number of things. So first of all, I will always, you know, coach people to be really clear in understanding in their role, what does success look like and how is it measured by the, their leader and by the organization? So in a given role, are there, I mean, if you're in a call center, you're a customer service agent, you're call handling time, your the call quality or the way the customers rate you. Like there's lots of metrics that can come. But then the other, and, and then there's a few other things I'd, um, I'd suggest that we need to look at. So as you talked about, there's the whole person and there's other things that we can contribute beyond those metrics alone. Are you a good team player? Are you, when it relates to the broader ESG in initiatives, which is where you know, getting sustainability, DEI, those sorts of things, are you participating in that, you know, through vol or volunteer activities? There's all of these other dimensions. And so I like for companies to look at the core performance metrics in the role they're in, you know, if they have a role in supporting, you know, financially, whether that's growth or profitability, many of that sits at a leadership level to who they are as individuals and supporting um, you know, the, the, the community, the, the business, et cetera. And that there's this other element of um, potential as well, right? So a lot of companies have moved to a nine box rating system, which looks at 
performance in role versus potential for future? And are they in the right role? How do we think about them? Are they ready to get promoted to the next, et cetera? So having a much um, more balanced kind of performance and su succession view of the entire employee population and not based upon one or two single metrics alone. Yeah, I love that. And I did not hear about the nine box method. So I'm definitely going to have to research that because I think a lot of um, organizations can definitely benefit from that. And even if you're listening and you may not necessarily be an organization, maybe you're a mom and pop business that's scaling up. Take this into consideration because even though you're small right now, you're not always going to be small. You're going to grow. So see what you can do now and put the foundation in place. So whenever you do begin to scale your business up, people who are coming in to work for you feel seen, they feel heard, valuable, and et cetera. You don't have to be a Fortune 500 company in order to adopt the, these principles, nor do you have to be a Fortune 100 company. You just need to start and make sure that you walk it like you talk it. And Victoria, I want to ask you, is there anything that I have not asked you that you think will be valuable to share with the audience around career advancements? Well, everyone needs to recognize that they are the CEO of brand you, right? So you are in control of your destiny. And so the ability, going back to no excuses, your ability to make choice and change based upon your needs that may shift and change over time and, and your passions and joy, whether it's, and then monetary needs and all of those things. So what I tell your listening audience is to recognize that you are in control of that. Use your voice for power. Make sure you maintain your skills and performance and, you know, and be really good humans that others want to work with. Yes, all of that and some. So you are the hashtag unstoppable, hashtag no excuses, firecracker woman. So what is your call to action for the audience? Because audience, you didn't just listen to a segment or you didn't just watch this video. It's time for you to go to work. Put these principles to work. So Victoria, give them your call to action, link that website, and tell them how they can connect with you on your social media platforms. Well, find me on LinkedIn, number one. Number two, I do have a personal website, which is victoria-peltier.com, which is where a lot of the content where I share articles around this and where I do a lot of public speaking, uh, I, I, that lands on that page. So hit me up there. Awesome. So y'all, I'm going to make it really easy for you. All of Victoria's contact information will be in the show notes. So all you have to do is read, scroll on down and tap in with Victoria. So you can learn more about the work that she's doing on the forefront, as well as behind the scenes. And my big ASK ask for you is for brand sponsors. If you like what you heard, you like the mission and the movement to bring on content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational, it does take monetary resources to keep this mission and movement going. So if you want to link arms with me where we're creating synergies to go further and faster together, send me an email at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp at gmail.com. It's easy to remember because it's the full name of the show at gmail.com. And until the next guest, next segment, if there's a topic that you want to hear right here, let me know. As we all know, feedback is a gift, and that's how I'm going to improve, but that's also how the community is going to grow, because it's not just my show, it's all of us show, and there's something each one of us can learn from one another. So until then, peace, love.
and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and be unstoppable and no excuses, just as Victoria says. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.